Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, so it is day two of Houston Week. We're so excited to have our guest on the show today. Her name is Sherelle Neal of Sherelle Design Studio. She's a trained interior designer, and her work has been featured in the Houston Chronicle and Modern Luxury Interiors Texas and more. She's also won a Ruby Award from the American Society of Interior Designers in 2019, and we are thrilled to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And okay, I just have to kind of quickly describe your work so that people can kind of get a uh, an image in their head of the t- type of stuff you do. Just picture the most timeless spaces you can think of. Like it's gorgeous today. Something similar would have been gorgeous 10 years ago. It'll be gorgeous 10 years from now. Like it is just perfect, um, perfectly executed, thoughtfully designed, classic pieces that you're going to love forever. That that's just kind of what I saw, you know felt when reading your or um, looking through your portfolio. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah, I mean, I you know I'm I'm a Southern girl, and I really just like to create what feels like real life. You know how how people really live. I don't like things to obviously be too precious. Um, you know, I love antiques. Of course, I love wall coverings. I love all those really beautiful touches, but I definitely like a more thoughtful, really timeless, elegant uh, interior, just sort of a story that, you know, you see throughout the house when you walk in, immediately people can grasp what they believe what the rest of your house look like, what your taste is. And I just think that first impression makes such an impact and um, it, it lasts, you know, so most, most of my clients, you know, they have small kids and they have pets. So there's always those things to take into account. So I think by being very thoughtful and strategic in how you design, uh, you know, these rooms for clients, for families, it, it needs to be livable. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Sherelle, for you, that means antiques, right? You're working a lot of antiques into this. I, I do. I do. And not in every single project. I mean, however, I do have some clients that have heirloom pieces that they've in, inherited. And there are also some clients that want to learn or want to get into the antique um, you know, aspect or that, that sort of lifestyle. So it's I, I kind of get it from both sides, but I definitely do love to incorporate antiques into projects just because there's just something there's something historical about incorporating a uh, an antique piece into your home. It's it tells its own story. It feels like it's been there forever. That it makes the home feel so personalized. And you know, how, however you came across it, whether it was on a travel or you know, even just if, if it's a, a piece that you work with your designer, even then you're she's she or he is learning the story of this piece and then teaching you about it, and then you fall in love with it. So then you have your own reasons as the homeowner now why you love that piece and why you want it in, in your home or in a particular room. And I think that just makes you know each individual item so interesting and personalized and why people, um, you know, really like antiques. I think more now, especially even younger people are 
you know, getting into antiques and commission art pieces because it's something that they'll have forever. Yeah. Okay. I want to back up just a little bit because I understand your love of design started very early. So I want yes. you to kind of tell everybody about your background and when you caught this bug. Yeah. So my dad, um, you know, he's in retirement age now, but he still is a general contractor. Um, I grew up, um, you know, around on job sites, literally learning how to put the glue on the back of the wallpaper. Like, I mean, old fashioned style. And um, my my dad would take me on jobs and I would just really get to see and experience the whole process from the very beginning from literally pouring the foundation and the electrical wiring and the studs and and I, I it was just so amazing to me to to see how he would work with a client of his and they would just conceptualize everything from scratch or if it was just a new addition or a remodel and just tearing it down and then creating something that, you know, they, they wanted in their head or that he sees in their head. And this is communication that happens and it goes on paper. And then it's like the fabrication starts. So being around, you know, builders and being around um, craftsmen who build cabinets or they're just amazing with trim work, wallpaper, electricians, I mean, all kinds of tradesmen, really opened my mind to design world. You know, it, it just kind of stuck with me, you know, as a, as a kid. It, and I honestly, I actually went to school for biology before I studied interior design. I was going a completely different direction. And I don't know, I, all of my extracurricular activities always involved artistic things. I started Sherelle Design Studio um, by working with this builder, uh, the, I worked with the client for about a year and it took about, you know, 18 to 24 months. It's a quite, quite a large home, um, you know, to work with this client with every little detail from the tiles to the type of paint that goes on the wall, everything, the stair rails, the balustrades, everything. And it was at the end of that process that they were like, Sherelle, we just fell in love with you. We feel so comfortable with you do you design, you know, on your own? And I was like, well, no, not really. You know, I do some drawings here and there, you know, for my dad and his projects. And they're like, we would love to hire you as a designer to do our house. And I was like, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> what a great story. Well, I feel like the, just looking at sort of the intricacies of some of your designs, I mean, we're talking flanges, cordings, the built-ins that you design. I feel like you have that craftsman spirit that you're talking about with your dad in, but you're bring you're sort of reimagining it in a different medium with your fabrics and stuff. So talk to us a little bit about, I mean, cause it seems as though no detail is too well, small to, to yes. think through. Yeah. Um, and that, that is very true. What you're saying, Caroline, no detail is too small. It, it honestly, it depends on a person's budget you can customize absolutely anything. Nothing is off limits, but you know, I really, it, it is, it is in the details. I think that's the design. And I think personalizing every space allows for that opportunity for a client to feel, well, I'm not getting something that's I've already seen or something that's already been done because he or she is carefully understanding us as people and how we live and then like reinterpreting that for our home. And that whole process for me is like, Oh my God, I love it because there's so many combinations. <laughs> it's like, you could never run out of combinations. 
And I just think that is the whole science of it all. It's so much fun to explore, obviously, trims and how you can apply them. Or even if you can't afford beautiful trims for for some of these, um, you know, higher end companies, you can use fabrics. You know, there's so many ways to personalize things. And when it comes to the 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 building side of things, there is no there's there's uh, there's a certain level of standard. <laughs> it's a standard that has to come with it. It has to be done a certain way. I do not like to compromise on how things are built, the type of materials that we use all the way down to the paint, even how the drawers or how the the shelves are going to slide in and how they're going to lock in place. I mean, all of those things, because I've seen a lot of bad, I've seen a lot of things break down or tear down or wear over time because they were not properly designed. So for me, those investments, they have to be just that. All the critical details have to be completely well thought out. And um, so combining those, you know, those soft and those hard finishes together, definitely. Yes, it's 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 a totally custom world. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, we kind of touched on the antiques and your love of antiques um, a minute ago. But I, you know, I did notice you use a lot of brown furniture. Um, we, we've, it's been a, a topic of conversation a lot on the podcast, especially the last year and a half, probably. But I, I had some questions, um, for you about using multiple brown pieces of furniture in a room and, and mixing the finishes of those. I mean, how, you know, if you're going to use a couple of antique pieces, do the wood finish, does the wood finish need to be the same? Uh, do they need a match? Um, like, wh- how, how can you mix it up? What, what's the deal? Absolutely. I think just as much as customization and those details are a part of the design, I think breaking rules is also a part of design. I don't think that you have to have the same finish in every single room because then it sort of becomes monotone and nothing like those those precious pieces that you've invested money into, especially the antiques, they sometimes can lose their presence if everything is the same tone. And the only thing that really everyone will see are the fabrics and the pretty, you know, the upholstery pieces or the accessories or the artwork. And the antiques just kind of become a base as opposed to like a part of the symphony that's going on in the room. So my question sort of harkens back to when you were saying that, um, you know, they already have that patina and they, you know, they have, signs of age and have being have been used and cherished let's say by others um so when i am shopping for an antique and i do see uh i don't know topical damage let's just say water ring or something on the top that's not something i need to worry about just just embrace it i don't have to like get it refinished and get it all fixed or what that's personal preference so you know i have had where i i do have a refinish or antique refinishers who specifically focuses on antiques and when we you know purchase an antique for a project um it's i've already understand the client you know by that time that i know that if this is something that i know they wouldn't want to live with because it is it does have the watermark so it has those cracks or it has you know chips in the wood then either we'll move on to something else if I don't think that it's something that can be repairable to like 80%. Um, 
you do have to understand that when you're buying antiques, it is going to come with, you know, a lot of condition um, that is not new. And I think that's what makes the piece beautiful. And it's just personal preference. If you like having that worn, um, you know, aesthetic on the antique, as opposed to, can we make this completely brand new? Well then, you know, right. What's the point? Right. You might yeah. as well just buy a new piece of furniture. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but so it's it's honestly it's personal preference. It's what you can tolerate to live with because it's your piece mm -hmm. forever. Right. And that's the part of the beauty, like you said, it's, it has its yeah. own story. I mean I and those scuffs and marks tell exactly, that story. Exactly, because when a guest or a family member comes to your house and you know they see this new piece that you bought they're going to fall in love with it because it's in your home and your home obviously is beautiful and you cherish it. Or they're going to ask a question about it and you want to be able to like share that story. You don't want to say, oh yeah, I just went on something, something.com and this was great because it's, it, it, it's not new, you know? So, I mean, being able to say, oh my God, this was 18th century or, you know, this was mahogany or, you know, however it got here, there has to be some story, some some condition report, as we call it, about that piece that goes with it. That is the story of that piece. Whether you was from an estate sale or, you know, you bought it from a, a dealer in a completely different state or you inherited it. it. It all that is a part of the journey and the story of that piece. Mm -hmm. There was one room in your portfolio um, that I loved. It was I believe it was a bedroom. And OK, if you were just to kind of first glance, it's a it's a neutral beautiful bedroom but if you really look at the details there is a ton of pattern mixing i, I want to say it was a it had like a canopy bed and there was um there was maybe even a wallpaper yeah. on the wall the the front panel of the the you know the and fabric the on the canopy was on bed the was one fabric yeah. <laughs> there was a stripe on the back there was might have even be yes. a contrast flange on the edge there was right. mixing of bedding patterns there was a natural fiber rug on the floor it was all in this same kind of sandy right. tan color and all of the patterns if i remember correct correctly yes. were fairly small scale but when it all came together, it had all this movement, all this texture. And I wonder if you could kind of share with people, I mean, because I thought that was just such a beautiful way to execute a neutral room that, you know, we see all these rooms on Pinterest that are maybe all white or all beige and they mm -hmm. just have no life to them. But this was just like a beautiful way to do that neutral space where it's so calming. But yeah, you know, that at. project, um, that was actually a show house that I did uh, last year. Or, no, 2019. I'm skipping 2020. Um, yeah, right. yeah. As as one but, should. Right. <laughs> Forget about but, that. You one. know that I poured my my heart out into that one. That space and the spaces even that I did around it, leading up to that bedroom, um, they they were really a reflection of me and sort of every every aspect of who I am and what I love about interior design. I didn't want any detail to to be like untouched or unnoticed. I wanted everything to feel as if it, you know, like someone actually lived there, but also mm -hmm. that they paid attention to like everything, you know, um, I love those mm -hmm. colors. I love blue. Um, but this was actually called, it's a platinum color that I sort of contrast against, um, the sort of tan and the, and the white, um, the builder of the home had a great canvas, uh, with Sharon Williams 
paints for all of the rooms. So I said, you know what, you know, I think I want to do something really personalized that, you know, people would expect from, from Sherelle. And we <laughs> did a hand painted treatment on top of the existing walls. Mm. So it actually wasn't a wallpaper. Um, so got it. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, that wasn't a wallpaper. That wasn't a wallpaper. Dang, yeah. Sherelle. Yeah. Y'all that have to a, go check this out. On her portfolio. <laughs> it was, oh it was my gosh. really, really great, um, stencil, uh, that I found, um, from a company they're located in the United Kingdom actually. And her technique is based on a old Bavarian, uh, technique. And I came across this and was like, this is it. And it was a big, you know, I love the scale and That's I just so love that I could have the opportunity to play with color. I could make this anything I wanted it to be. And it would look totally different. Even if the walls were mm -hmm. uh, actual color, like a solid blue or something. And I overlaid the pattern with white paint, it would have looked totally different. And I think just that, that one design aspect, um, really transform the room from just being white walls with the white furniture and in the pattern I, I incorporated to just something completely different. Um, but it, it all worked. And there's, there's so many stories about every little piece in that room. So, you know, the bed I actually found at a consignment shop, it's, it was 450 oh, bucks. Wow. And it was just a cherry, you know, oh your, the old, like from the nineties, the, the, the wheatgrass, mm -hmm. um, uh, four poster canopy bed. I stripped it down, painted that baby white and there it was, it became something fresh. So, so pretty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Other detail left about that room. Okay. As a general rule. I'm not wild about catty corner furniture, like at an angle. things that are gotcha. at an angle. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, right. obviously chairs or whatnot, but like when people put a bed mm -hmm. in a corner, it just is very odd to me. But you did that with the desk and it looked amazing. But tell people how you made it work because there was one very important yes. design element that, that really kind of screen. made it work. Um, yes. So I had that, I designed, drew out the folding screen. It's just a very simple sort of camel shaped, um, you know, top design on it. I wanted it just to feel really soft. I didn't want it to just be square because I was sort of offsetting it with what was just sort of a more modern square updated uh, vanity or desk, but it's wrapped in grass cloth. So it's like taking that old and new, you know, um, rule again and sort of uh, applying it to that piece mm -hmm. of furniture. So I wanted to put it, I didn't want, I sort of wanted to break the room a little bit too with the pattern. And I thought that would have been a great opportunity, you know, to do it. And by putting it in the corner, I think when you walk into the room, instead of it being just sort of straight on the wall and almost when you open the door it would sort of hide the mm -hmm. the the desk and the screen and all the things on the desk i put it in that corner so it became its own little focal point um i couldn't add and i didn't really yeah. want to add too much more furniture into the space i just really wanted to feel like a hotel or just a, a real life bedroom you know or maybe a vacation home you know um, just that little intimate moment, um, you know, and upholstering it in the same stripe 
that I lined the bed panels with. And also the, the bathroom, you know, has the same custom shower curtain. I did that in the pinstripe as well. So it's just like repeating everything in a way that it's still personalized, but it's connected, even though the rooms were sort of separate and the designs of everything or the, the lines of everything I used it on were, were different. So I just, I, I really just wanted to, like I said, personalize it as much as possible and just, you know, really explore and show people there's so many things that you can do in, in design. And it just takes that creative thinking, like, yeah you know, outside the box. And it was a show house. It, it, it had to be that level. <laughs> right. Yeah. It had to be a show. Yeah. It yeah. had to be a show. Had to be a show. Yeah. Well, the screen was just such a, such a smart idea because I feel like when you do have those things on an angle, you have this weird, uh, empty mm-hmm. space behind where the corner is, but the screen really made it right. sort of wrap around. Anyway, it was again, and it made it feel a lot more intentional. Right. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I put a beautiful little um, antique convex mirror that I bought from one of my trips right in the center of it. And I wanted people to think, oh, you could pin things up there, which you absolutely could. You know, you yeah. could totally pin notes mm-hmm. or, you know, cards or things that you've written or received. And I think that absolutely becomes like a personalized bulletin board. It, it serves two purposes. It's pretty but yeah. it's soft because it's upholstered. And then it, it, it actually is something you use. <laughs> Everybody's got to go check out, go check it out. Okay. The other thing that you seem to really love, yeah. I already, I already told you, I was going to ask you about this one. Yes. Um, yes. Built-ins. All of your spaces have incredible built-ins. You obviously love organization. So what, what when should we use a built-in? How, what are some ways we can uh, customize a built-in to really make it functional for various, you know, things we need to store? And are there any extra special details you like to add in to make it really feel, um, well, not only to the level of uh, quality that you love, but to make it feel, because some of them had elements that made it really feel antique, even though it's clear. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, I find that... um, Making a room functional first uh, has to be the rule of thumb before we get into the pretties. You know, I, like I said, I work with clients that they're, they're family. And sometimes where space is limited or where there's opportunity to uh, enhance space in a room without furniture, um, I think a built-in becomes the answer, you know, for a lot of reasons, because it's a permanent solution and um, it always will look well-dressed because you can organize it in that way, or it could be a display piece. Like there's a dining space I did for a client. Um, We built in a hutch with a display um, portion. The top half of it was just a display portion for some antique plates or, you know, that she can change out seasonally. And in the backing, we did a nice beadboard backing, um, but I put the diamond pattern in the door. So that was just a little bit more personal. So it, isn't, it didn't just feel like a shaker door, just a you know simple door. We added those fun details to it and even the hardware you know on it. And it, it's something that she uses. She changes the plates out. 
even when they have um, guests over, or she's hosting a party, she can just pull the plates down and put them right there on the table and then put them back up. So they serve two purposes. But I just find that built-ins create organization for your life. And I think it improves your overall quality of life by having a place to put things. I, I don't like clutter. I personally like having everything in its place because then I know where to go look for it if I'm, you know, trying to figure out, well, where did I last put this or where did I last put that? If I have a place for it, I know that I'll always put it there. And it sort of becomes normal practice. And, you know, to answer your question about certain things that I definitely try to incorporate from a quality perspective, like I like the shelves to be thick. <laughs> because they do start to bow when you put heavy things on them. You know, there's a butler's pantry. I also did for a client that we did in a wood finish. This was actually not painted. So it was solid maple and, you know, she's, she cooks, you know, um, and they have counter appliances, like, you know, the crock pots and the um, pressure cookers, you know, those things over time, just sitting for, months and you know if you only pull them out certain times of year or even christmas decorations like the platters or the turkey trays those types of things over time it'll start to bow and you really want that piece you invested in to you know to hold those items you don't want them bowing the shelves because if they don't have doors in front of them you're going to see it and it just it, it won't look good so those are definitely things i always um you know, just sort of like systematically, it's just, we definitely are going to do a one inch or a one and a half inch shelf. And, you know, even if it's just a profile, um, you know, on, on the front, but maybe it's one inch, but it has like a one and a half inch profile. So it looks like it's a thicker shelf, but when you actually take it down, it's only one inch, you mm -hmm. know, from the backside. That's so it smart. has sort of, so there's, there's tricky. a couple of tricks. Yeah, there, there are a, a couple of tricks you can do. And, you know, you would know how heavy or what you're going to put on it. Um, so if you don't need, if you don't need, you know, an extra super thick shelf, then you can just go with the thinner option because sometimes that does, a, you know, it modifies the cost and the type of material that's going to be used, you know, to make it. So by doing that profile, it's one of those like little tricks that you can do to make the shelf look like it's thicker than it is. And I do like a painted finish, like a, a hand painted finish or even, you know, a, a, a lacquer. It just depends on what room it's going in, how it's going to be used and obviously the client. Um, I love to see those brush strokes, but then sometimes we want a furniture quality finish. So because we want it to look like it's been here with the house forever. That way it, en it enhances obviously the resale value as well, you know, for the house. So um, it's easy to clean. <laughs> Sherelle, though, uh, if I've moved into a home that already has built-ins, I'm mm -hmm. imagining every house built in the 80s. And, you know, a, a big wall of built-ins with a right. space in the middle for my television, and it just sort of feels a little dated. Is there anything mm -hmm. I can do to make ad adapt that as it is to make it feel better? Like, I like the idea that you've got of making the, maybe putting a facing on the shelves to make them look a little yeah. heftier. What else can I do to update that? Paint is absolutely magical. <laughs> it can do a lot for wood in general. Just a new fresh coat of paint and changing hardware. You know, if there's knobs or if there's pulls, you know, depending on obviously how old it is, sometimes you have those issues with it getting the exact size. But you can always have new doors made. 
um, just like you can have new shelves, you know, made for it. But I'd say a fresh coat of paint. You can even, you know, wallpaper the backing of it. You could maybe do a contrast paint in the backing of it. So when you're accessorizing, that color is coming through between the shelves. And it could, you know, immediately update those bookcases very easily. You don't have to tear them out and start all the way over. One of the things I feel like with paint, we've and it's almost yes. like makeup. Yes. Like paint can be camouflage as much as it can be Absolutely. an a- exclamation Absolutely. point. You know what I mean? Um, just paint something the same yeah. color as Absolutely. the walls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes away. Yeah. And, and, and then the yeah. fireplace becomes the focal point, which is what you want and not so much the bookcases on either end. So, you know, you can paint the bookcases to match, you know, the rest of the room. And like I said, maybe just do that contrast in the backing. So you just have that little pop of color. So maybe you pull that color in on your pillows or your rugs or maybe fresh flowers on your coffee table and you can change it. It's not an investment that you spent, you know, thousands of dollars on this custom building. You can in spring. OK, I want green backing on my bookshelves. Just go grab a, a, a quarter paint and go to town on it. And it's so fresh and it's so new. And you can you can have so much fun with that. Yeah. I love the idea of the new doors and shelves. That's so smart. Yeah. And you could even, I mean, I'm just thinking so many, I've, I, what I see and what my friends tell me and what I observe is it's very hard for people to style out all these shelves, you know, and then I need like accessories, blah, blah, blah. And, and what you're saying is, you know, built-ins really should be functioning to help you store things. So could I, if I'm getting new doors for the bottom, could I get doors made for the top too? So the whole thing is a storage thing or is that too much? Mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think there's a rule of thumb. However, it depends on the space. You know, it depends on like how much lighting you have coming in, the height of the ceilings. You obviously don't want everything behind closed doors because then it just kind of feels like walls again. And then you've got to incorporate all this stuff into the room. So one thing you you can do if you do doors is you can put mesh grills that still let light in. They still allow you to sort of you know, see uh, inside, but they still create privacy. Um, So you're not losing that functionality of storage, but you're adding sort of a stylistic way of how you're hiding things that maybe you don't want always visible. And some, some people, you know, their homes are much, they can be large homes. So they have other rooms where they can, you know, hobby room or a storage space where they can keep those things that they don't need accessible all the time. So then maybe those bookshelves do become just a styling factor in the room. And so you can have as much fun with that as you want, you know, with high, low elements. And I mean, Ballard Design has great accessories, I think, that you can play around with for for bookshelves and even a lot of great styling tips. So mesh grills, I've seen um, you can even, you know, do wallpaper inside of like the inset if you like a grass cloth. You shared some fabric on one. Exactly. That's beautiful. And when you say mesh grill, I'm looking at an example on your site and people don't think like rustic, like chicken wire. You've got an example yeah. <laughs> that is brass, like this fine mess, mesh brass with a sort of a yeah. brass trellis on top of it. It is stunning. Gorgeous. Uh, you know, y'all open your minds to what this could look like because it is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, those get a little yeah. pricey. <laughs> they, you know, because they're the way they're cut and how they're sold, or depending on where you buy it from, you know, sometimes it's like from Europe and it takes forever to make. They actually fabricate it and it's made out of solid brass wow. material and they have to plate it in polished nickel. 
So it can it can take a long time, but you want it, you know, I want that material to live and patina the same way the hardware that I selected, which is whether it's brass or it's polished nickel. I don't want it to be two different finishes. That's the only rule that I have there <laughs> when it comes to the mixing finishes. I want those things to be made from the same material and sort of aged together so they don't look mix matched. But you could definitely go to your local hardware store, Home Depot, Lowe's, Ace Hardware, and find even um, you know nicer designer or decorative grills that don't just look like the chicken wire or you know the gated fence down the road at the industry, you know, street that you pass by all the time. They have gone, <laughs> you know, they have gone like so broad with metal mesh grills um, that you can, you can do little quatrefoils or, you know, there's so many designs that you can do that are already pre-cut at a standard size that most cabinet, you know, doors are going to be. So you don't have to do t fully, fully custom um, in order to achieve that look. Mm -hmm. What about like caning? And, and you also have some that have um, fabric. I love the fabric ones. Yeah, caning would be really, really fun to do. I've actually been, it's funny that you said that. I've been thinking about caning something. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just like waiting for the next project. <laughs> like a kitchen or a laundry. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I think that would be really, really fun to uh, mm -hmm. cane some base doors on a, on a cabinet. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. Really, really cool. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, and even if you did the brass, you know, the brass or a metal grill, right. like you wouldn't have no, to necessarily you don't. do it on every you door. You sure don't. You know, you absolutely don't. You can mix it. You could, you know, do like just the center or you could do just the two ends or you could do just the top. You can definitely play around with it. You don't want to do obviously a, a XO, <laughs> you know, tic-tac-toe kind of arrangement you do want to have sort of a rule and some symmetry to it so it feels good when you look at it some order it's not mm -hmm. some order to right. it absolutely yeah okay there was another thing that you do you do a lot and balances yes. on drapery not necessarily something it would that would ever occur to me to use but i want a lesson on when is a valance an appropriate i guess addition to your drapery yeah, so panels. balances yeah. can play multiple i don't know solutions um a lot of times they can be just decorative like just a, that extra layer on top of your drapery or you know with your roman shade you just want to add that extra luxury really traditional you know that that sort of period um um aesthetic into the room by adding sort of a cornice or a balance with the drapery. However, there are some spaces where the height is like, <laughs> you know, up in the heavens in the 18s and the 20s, or there's two rows of windows, you know? And so it's like, well, how do I, how do I dress this? I don't know what to do here because I've got all these windows where I have all this ceiling height and I don't, I don't want to invest in, you know, 12, foot long drapery panels, or I can't find 12 foot long drapery panels or, you know, whatever uh, the, the roadblock is. I think in the times that I have used them, um, I've layered them either for one, because aesthetically I wanted to add a little extra um, to the window, a little extra weight or maybe a focal point in the room. And that was just like the prettiest, you know, place to do it. Or I'm trying to conceal 
what might be a 13 or 14 foot ceiling. Um, and we want to bring the rod, you know, normally I would obviously mount the rod up to like underneath the crown or, you know, right up to where the ceiling line is in like a standard 10 foot or 11 foot room. But sometimes when you get a little bit um, higher than that and the window doesn't, you know, it starts like way mm -hmm. down almost two feet or three feet below the actual ceiling line, it can look a little weird to just have that rod right in the middle of it or even, you know, a couple of inches below the ceiling. So sometimes adding that balance covers that and it really can make the window look like it is taller and maybe it's going behind the balance um, when it's really not. You're just playing one of those little tricks. You're a tricky. <laughs> The focal yeah, point, that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just looking at, there was a gorgeous blue one. And you're right, I guess it's really the only thing on that wall. There's anything really else. space to put anything else there. So then it's, yeah, it makes focal it this point. big. Mm -hmm. Okay, got and it. you can play makes with sense. trims. Yeah, See, you got sense. trims or uh, you there want you to in, incorporate <laughs> pattern on your window treatments and no pattern anywhere else. Well, then do it right there on that window. And it, it looks right. great. Okay, so in general, I personally struggle with um, leather. My husband brought a leather chair to the marriage that I'm not in love with, that we still own. <laughs> We've been married like 12 years. Um, but you have a room in your portfolio that completely fits with all of these descriptions that Caroline is giving about your work. Uh, you know, it's serene, it's tonal, it's, you know, in my mind, I'd say even feminine a family room um, and everything in the room is super light or pastel or there's there's I see like a, a natural finish of wood not natural finish but a brown side table that kind of thing and then there are two very dark leather chairs in there to watch tv in possibly could even be recliners I don't know they might be yeah you're nodding and it looks friggin fabulous Terrell how did you manage that that was a tough one. <laughs> that was a tough one. Well, so we couldn't agree on um, a chair and fabric combination that all parties would be happy with <laughs> and obviously comfortable with. Um, I had this this particular family. The husband is very tall. You know, he's he's athletic built and whatever we were going to purchase needed to be comfortable and ergonomically it needed to fit you know his body type and not something that he's gonna hate down the road and then they're investing in something else because then i would feel like i made a bad decision and that's that's my job not to do that so we i just made sure that everything else in the room was pretty and um soft and the way that that room is laid out it was really nice to sort of position those reclining uh, leather chairs where they are because you don't you get just a little bit of them in the picture but there's two large sofas in there there's ottomans there's a soft scalloped edge ottoman um in the center that, you know, I functioned as a coffee table for them, but they can pull it up and use it as footstools 
but it's pretty and <laughs> it's wrapped in a really pretty fabric and it's not just square. It's got like this really nice detail around the edge. So I just tried to incorporate interesting lines to sort of offset what was the, I hate to use it, but the ugly thing in the room that the eye didn't just gravitate to the dark, you know, the dark or the brown or the, the, the heavier element. So I think it, it was a nice balance. I, you know, I definitely do believe in the rule that you do have to have something to sort of ground a space. So I just let that be the thing that only grounded the space and sort of offset with everything else by going with the lighter, the softer colors and the, the textures that just feel like they'll feel good against your skin when you sit on them. And then obviously the, the silhouettes right. of everything. And I um, thought that I the thought furniture. adding those wood side tables you're going to get me in and trouble. the wood feet <laughs> on the scalloped ottoman helped make those feel like they fit a little more because it echoed that same color throughout the room it wasn't a ton of it right. but it was enough to make it feel right. like it was an odd man out exactly and i just you know i threw a nice um uh wool throw you're trying to cover that chair you know on it that uh-huh exactly uh-huh. that was pillow. i mean i see it yeah <laughs> and the and and the little quick little throw pillow that pulls out that's that you know that celadon color is is what we sort of use as the color scheme in that room and there's sort of highs and lows of that or from you know from a value perspective so i just threw in a a throw that's really soft against what i felt was a hard color um and again that lumbar pillow in the same you know tone so it just sort of changed what was a hard element to you know, feeling a little soft and inviting. Good job. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a great lesson for people that, you know, you, if you were to look at some of those elements, just independent of themselves, like silos by themselves on a piece of paper, you would look at this leather chair and then you're going to look at like, let's take that scalloped, very feminine ottoman. You would think these could never go in the same room, but sometimes you kind of just like got to shove it together and, you know, add a little bit more of that masculine touch, like with the leg and the the side tables and then add a little more of that feminine touch. It's it's that balance, but don't, don't immediately think like, Oh, these will never go together because there's probably a way to get almost everything to go together. If if you're thoughtful about it. Just like you asked the question earlier about mixing the wood tones and the finishes. So just like you pointed out the legs and the casters on the ottoman, I did go with the darker wood. So it does tie that leather to that. And I don't think in that image, uh, there is the, uh, a floor lamp. It's a bamboo wooden base floor lamp. That's in the same sort of Brown color that I don't think it's in that photograph, but it is in that space. So it does sort of carry a story, um, throughout, which I think, you know, really makes it sort of level out. You're good. He's, he, he's comfortable in it and she's comfortable in it and the kids love it. They spend a lot of time in there. I definitely would never want, like I said, anything to feel too precious or even a space unless it's designated for a specific purpose. But this was a family room. This is where they watch TV. And, you know, I want that coming together. I want them to all feel comfortable that they can, you know, watch TV in there comfortably without it being, you know, too pretty or it's too masculine or it's, you know, every fabric in there is too precious. You know, I mean, there's a lot of sunbrella in that entire room and it gets a lot of great use and it has lived up for four years. (laughs) 
Yeah. Should yeah. we do a dilemma? Mm. All right, so our first question is from Ashley. Um, and Ashley says she has a really unique layout for her living room and she's trying to figure out how to maximize the space. And what do you recommend for this entryway area that doesn't feel too cluttered? And she has a living room and entry. It's all one room. So if you imagine a rectangle, um, her front door opens right uh, into the living room and it's about two thirds of the way down the wall. So on the left uh, of that space where there's two thirds of the space, she has her sofa um, and a fireplace. You walk in and the sofa's back. You're walking along the back of the sofa. And then to the right, she she has, I'd say, to the right of the door, she's probably got five feet, um, a wall that's about five feet long. And um, and she that's what she's considering her entry area, like that sort of corridor as you walk through that room. How can she maximize that? Um, I think the functionality of that area uh, without it being too cluttered. So this is a tough one. Walking, like a lot of bungalows, I live in a bungalow in Atlanta, and a lot of bungalows do this. You just, it dumps you right in the living room. Mm -hmm. In the living room, yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely believe rugs have this magical way of defining a space. And if she doesn't already have a large rug, like a five by seven, six by nine, um, that she can put in front of the door that maybe goes beyond um, you know, the entry into another area. I think that would be a great way to, to define that entry. As soon as you open the door, your eyes are gonna you know, immediately go down to what is on the floor, that rectangle shape and those colors. And you won't really even look to the left yet because your eyes are greeted by what's a soft rectangle with color on the floor defining it as this is the entry. Um, I think for sure the, um, the entry always could in, you know, involve consoles and mirrors and, and you know, artwork, um, lighting, you know, definitely if she's got a console piece that she can put um, you know, on a wall and put a nice round or uh, rectangle shaped mirror and maybe on either side of that console add some buffet lamps or maybe just one large single, you know, ceramic lamp with maybe a pretty shade and then balance each side with, you know, some fresh flowers or a stack of design books and maybe, um, you know, a family picture or, you know, a personal element um, on top of the stack of books, I think could be really, really nice. Um, so do you feel like her actual living room layout, the living room part is, is, not, layout for no, the space. I do feel it is. I mean, I understand that she wants to try to divide, like, you know, create the living space separate from the entry by putting the sofa sort of floating in the room. So it feels like the back of the sofa is defined as the living and then, you know, everything else is right. Yeah, is acting sort as of a the divider. divider. I don't, I think I would almost move the sofa against the windows. I'm not so sure what's happening on the mirrored wall of that and really how large, you know, how large mm -hmm. that oh, right. space is. But I do see that there's a window to the left side of her fireplace. So, you know, the depth of that, it could be close to the, the depth of the sofa. So it seems like it could fit there really nicely. 
And maybe that opens that up a little bit more. I don't know if she has any other chairs that maybe she can mirror the uh, sofa with. So she'd have her fireplace in the center. She'd have a sofa on the left and maybe some occasional chairs on the right side of the sofa. And then maybe in the middle, something low like Ottomans that sort of flex that maybe they move around um, the room for additional seating as needed. Um, but like I said, I can't really tell the size, you know, of the space, maybe adding, um, you know, if there isn't room to do that, that idea, she could add floor lamps on each side of, um, of the sofa. Maybe they're, you know, like a, a swing arm, um, type of, uh, floor lamp. If she can't put small side tables on each side with, with pretty table lamps. But I think some, I th definitely think the room needs more lighting. Uh, more decorative lighting. Um, and I think that could help divide the room, you know, as well without it feeling like the sofa is just sort of isolated there um, as a divider. So maybe floor lamps on either side of the sofa could be really, really nice. And, and, and um, I don't know, I, I think there's like an etagere, I believe she has in the space too. I would, I don't know what the dimensions are, you know, definitely I always, you can take simple graph paper and one square is equal one foot. So she could just measure the pieces of furniture that way and sort of draw them in. But that leaning shelf unit, I would maybe move to where the door wall is. So she has the leaning shelf unit in her entry area, but it's sort of as you proceed through the space, almost before you exit, it's on the on the right wall. So I almost feel I would move that completely to the door wall, and the basket that she has next to it. I would like basically set that up exactly the same, but maybe the filler would be a row or a column of miniature pieces of art, and maybe above the basket rearrange. Mm -hmm. She could take the basket out completely. She could put um, an ottoman or um, she could even put a tray that are you know, like a little drop off station for shoes. Um, you know, there would be appropriate since it is sort of the entry area. And then maybe just um, rearrange the bookshelves a little bit where they're not all full. Maybe add some, you know, prettier elements in with some of the books, maybe lay some of the books down so the binding is going horizontal, not everything is vertical. And then the console that she has by the door, I would put on that wall where the etagere is and put a mirror. Just switch it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Put a mirror. Because when you walk in, then you're going to see exactly. that drama. Exactly. Yeah. And not like this very full bookshelf. Right. Yeah. And definitely mirrors are great in rooms that have windows because then you're adding additional light that you didn't have to pay for. It's just going to reflect because she's got a good amount of windows in there. So by moving that console, adding a really nice mirror, whether it's hanging or it's leaning. And then, like I said earlier, you know, two buffet lamps on either side, or maybe just one big ceramic lamp in a color that pulls from the rug that, you know, she could put in that space. And I think, like you said, Karen, when you open the door, you see that console, you see what looks like a defined entry area separate from the living room. And it becomes a drop station too. You can put, you know, she can put a little keepsake there for keys and things like that. The tricky thing is like she, 
and I, and this is one of the reasons I really like the idea about moving the sofa. It's really kind of a big space. So like, yeah, she, it's, she's got a lot of room in this sort of entryway, but it there's, it's like not it. big enough for, it, it doesn't really look big enough for like an entry table floating unless maybe you moved the sofa, the sofa, but I agree. it's, it's too big to feel comfortable. The entry area? It kind of, it just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I, yeah. I feel like she definitely needs to you to let, to, so we have a, a little tool called our room planner, which yes. we'll put a link to in the show notes, but that is something you can just go in there and plug in all the dims, the dimensions of your furniture and play around with it and like, see, am I going to have enough room for right. the sofa to go against the window and, and just play around with it. But but yeah. I do love the idea of swapping the bookshelf and the console. Yeah, that's super smart. Yeah, because by moving the sofa, you know, she can add some pretty table lamps. And I think that will even, you know, make the space feel more inviting too by having that those different levels of light. You know, you don't want to just have the ceiling fan light. You could have those nice table lamps with, you know, some ambiance and um, really pretty base color, uh, blues or, you know, greens. How however color scheme that, you know, whatever color scheme she's going for would be really pretty. Okay. One more question real quick. So if she does, if she is able to turn the sofa, sofa. perpendicular to the fireplace, yes. um, should she still do a separate rug in the entry or should she do one huge rug for the entire room? No, I would definitely go for two separate rugs and she wants to define both of those areas as two separate areas. Definitely go with two separate rugs and I would have a little bit more fun with the entry rug um, since it's more of a you know it's a distinctive space it's the entry so you kind of want to greet guests with color something that you know um, at you know um, what am I trying to say something that personality speaks to their senses exactly that has the personality and then she can keep just a really neutral rug in the living room cool well ashley good luck thank you so much sherelle for joining us that was perfect um can you tell everyone where they can find you where they can follow you see your work all that good stuff absolutely sherellesignstudio.com and you can follow my Instagram handle. It's the same at ShereldesignStudio.com. Perfect. Two R's and two L's. Two R's and two L's. So nice to meet you. And I love your work. Thank you, ladies. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.